Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody, just wanted to give you a heads up that we spoke glowingly about Royce Lewis on today's podcast, and then right after we finished, he was optioned back to AAA. Carlos Correa is returning on Wednesday, and it sounds like they want to get Lewis defensive reps at other positions. It's unfortunate because he was playing so well, but anyway, just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. I guess it's heating up because it feels like offense was way up again on Tuesday. Just ask Nathan Avaldi. Yikes. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, May 18th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers, who is currently doing the podcast from parts unknown with nothing but a bed behind him. What's going on, Chris? Where are you located? The parts are known. It's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Actually, I'm staying with my uh, my family for a few weeks to help out my uh, my family members. So, you know, I'm in what might have been my dad's room. I'm in one of those like bit like old northeastern houses that's just like as a child was like the most terrifying place in the world like it's got a basement which is just horrifying and like no. it's yeah. on a big dark hill and so like there it's yeah it's very like it feels very different from brooklyn i can tell you that so uh hopefully none of the ghosts come out and get me no basements in in Brooklyn. We can confirm that. Or in in Florida. Like this is like like ninety nine percent of my time in basements has just been in the the terrifying basement of my grandmother's house that like I refuse to go into at night even today. All right. Now I I just want to point out that I am often accused of broadcasting from my <laughs> my grandparents' house. I I don't know what that says about the decor in my home, but that's what I often get that accusation. Chris actually is. I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually. He actually in my... is. So feel free to direct those insinuations at him <laughs> henceforth. Fair enough. Today on the show, 18 games on the schedule. We'll recap all of it, almost all of it. I hope we can. One hitter to buy low on from each of us and much, much more. But let's jump right in. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. The Astros hit five home runs in one inning on Tuesday, the eighth time that's been done in MLB history. And with that, Scott, why don't you kick us off with your, oh my goodness gracious, player of the night? Yeah, it's got to be Nasty Nate. I like how I just make up a name for every player that nobody, nobody knows who I'm referring to. It's Nate. It's Nathan Evaldi. Yes, you, as you mentioned, five home runs against the Astros. But what's even more notable is that brings him to 14 home runs allowed this season as compared to 15 all of last season. One home run less. 
in this economy. Like I don't, I don't even really understand that. The ground ball rate is actually slightly up for Nathan Avaldi. Certainly isn't having trouble missing bats. I think it's just kind of a freak thing. And, and it's worth pointing out, he had been very successful in spite of those home runs. His ERA climbed to 432 with this awful start, but it was 315 before then. So I'm not really freaking out about it. Hope like Obviously, the home run pace needs to slow or he's going to have more awful starts, but I think it will because I, I don't think there's much to it. The one thing that stood out for me when looking into Avaldi's numbers is the hard contact is back up this year. So last year he did a great job and the ex- expected ERA according to StatCast really backed that up last season. Uh, this year it, it's been a little bit higher and a little bit closer right. to where the rest of his career has been at. So uh, something to monitor with yeah. him. We'll see right. how he bounces back. Scott, I noticed there, you... There's, there's no way you're not going to have hard contact numbers against you if you've given up 14 home runs already. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's just no way that was... You're, you're going to look at his StatCast page, and that's not going to be the case. I don't even think his StatCast page has been updated yet for what yeah. he did on Tuesday, so... It's right. probably only going to go up. Uh, I was going to say, Scott, I noticed you lowered him in your rankings. Uh, Scott updated the rankings. You could check them out on the site. Uh, I have updated my infield rankings. I'm going to hit outfield and starting pitcher on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, but down to SP43 is Nathan Avaldi, One spot behind the real nasty. That's nasty Nestor Cortez. Let's move over. Oh, my goodness gracious from Chris. Who you got? Logan Gilbert who I think this might have been the most promising start of his career. And it's been a pretty promising start to his career. You know, we've been very excited about a lot of what he's done this season, but his velocity was way up in this start, 96.7 miles per hour. That's the highest it's ever been. It's actually the second start in a row where he's had the highest velocity of his career. He averaged 96.1 in his most recent start before this one. And he also, you know, I mean, he got a 10 swinging strikes on 52 fastballs. That's a nearly 20% swinging strike rate, not even whiff rate. A 20% whiff rate for a fastball is pretty good. And that's whiffs divided by swings. This is just whiffs divided by pitches. So that pitch was outstanding today. But what might be even more intriguing about this start is the fact that his fastball usage was actually down. He was at 51% fastball usage. He's been sitting close to 60% this season. And so, you know, he threw the slider 36% of the time, had five swings and misses on that one, 33% CSW, had a 27% CSW on 11 curveballs. That's not great, but it's a it's a pitch that he hasn't thrown all that much. And, um, you know, I just, I think this is, you know, potentially closer to the, high-end form of Logan Gilbert than we've than we've even seen so far. So I thought this was a very promising start. Did, did you mention his velocity was up like 1.3 miles per hour on everything? Yeah. Yeah. And I had been... Oh, you did mention that. Okay. Good for me for listening. I had been <laughs> a little skeptical of, of Gilbert's success to this point this season. He entered with just a, a 10% swinging strike rate, which is bad. But, you know, he got plenty of whiffs with the with the velocity and the different pitch mix in this start. And if he can continue to do that, then I can get behind the idea of it being a breakthrough season. Isn't it weird that, like, the number of high-end pitchers, I say their, their swinging strike rate is way down and, and just not good? Not just in comparison to their past, but just in a vacuum. They have a bad swinging strike rate. 
I've mm-hmm. actually looked in to see if the if the league wide swinging strike rate is down, and it is a little bit, but not enough to explain why so many high end pitchers uh, stand out for having unusually bad swinging strike rates at this point in the season. I, I don't really understand what's going on there. It is weird, Scott. I feel like there's more haves and have nots. Maybe. Maybe it was just because I was looking into Dylan Cease and Shane McClanahan earlier, who both had two more great starts on uh, on Tuesday, and their swinging strike rates are massive. Yeah. But yep. I, I think it also could be in conjunction with no more sticky stuff. And uh, I, I think pitchers might be trying to pitch to contact more now that the ball is dead. And that's just a theory that I have. But so far, it seems like it might be the case this year. In could baseball. be. I want to talk about the pitcher on the other side in this start, Jose Barrios, who bounced back and he needed it in a big way. Seven shutout innings, six hits, two walks, four strikeouts, but just four swinging strikes again on 91 pitches. The swinging strike rate has been down so far this year. It was down last year. Lots of hard contact so far for Jose Barrios. So overall, I think this is an encouraging start because obviously it goes seven shutout, but Scott, I, I still don't feel great about Barrios even after this start. I, I know he has a long track record, but I think based on this start, and if you could sell him on his name value and get top 30 starting pitcher value for him, I think it's something I would look into doing. Why are you so convinced something's wrong with them? Well, just for the reasons I mentioned, the swinging strike rate being down two years in a row and hard contact being up, those two things can together seem not great. I mean, I, again, I don't really want to rate, overrate the quality of contact stuff. It would be more encouraging, I guess, if, if he had a bad ERA but good quality of contact numbers. But at the same time, I mean, just because he's allowed bad contact to this point doesn't mean that's just his new baseline now. I, yeah. I, think, I think he's just pitched poorly, and it showed. But I don't think he's a worse pitcher. I think he's a good pitcher who's pitched poorly so far. So I, I would consider Jose Barrios more of a buy low. I mean, we've seen him go through really rough stretches in his career, but the year-to-year numbers have been very stable. Chris, I guess break the tie. Are you looking to buy or sell Jose Barrios? I Jose Barrios is rarely a player that I'm looking to buy just because I, I don't... I don't know. He doesn't have a ton of upside, generally speaking. I know last year he was really good, and and that kind of pushed him into the top 20 starting pitchers. But for the most part, I think he's kind of settled in as a guy who doesn't really help or hurt you in ERA for the most part. He's kind of inconsistent, and you just kind of ride the, the highs and lows as they come. There are some things to keep an eye on with him, His the, the movement profile and his curveball has changed um, since last season. He's getting less vertical movement with it. So, you know, that could explain it. And he's the, the spin rate on it is down. It's only about 70 RPMs from last season as a whole. But, you know, it's possible maybe there's there's some lingering sticky stuff uh, side effects going on there. But I, I think, like Scott said, it's probably just that he's just not pitching well right now. And, um, you know, I've made the, the Luis Castillo comp with um there was another pitcher i made it with last week and um like i think that's probably what we're seeing is that it's just a similar thing where he's just not pitching well and that'll be reflected and i think jose Barrios's track record is long enough that you probably want to have faith that he'll figure it out all right i wanted to mention this for nathan avaldi just before but uh the five home runs that the astros hit 
Uh, Yordan Alvarez, his 12th, Kyle Tucker uh, hit one in that inning and then added another one later on, a grand slam. So now he's up to seven home runs. You like to see that. Jeremy Pena returned today. He hit one of those home runs. Michael Brantley, Yuli Gurriel uh, added their third home run each against Nathan Avaldi. For me, oh my goodness gracious, Christian Walker, who had quite the game here on games, rather, doubleheader against the... Dodgers and he hit uh, he had three hits combined two home runs across the doubleheader he now has five home runs in May he's batting over 300 and the underlying numbers which we've mentioned multiple times already this year for Christian Walker are very encouraging the barrel rate is up he's hitting the ball very hard strikeout rate is down a little bit for him from his career mark his walk rate is up a little bit so things looking very encouraging for Christian Walker in a time where we really do need offense. So Scott, what do you think about Walker? He is only 27% rostered on CBS right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I wonder, you know, because he puts the ball in the air so often, if there's much hope for him to, to deliver a respectable batting average, but hitting it that hard and putting in the air that often. I mean, that's usually, that's at least in recent history, been a promising combination. So I think he I think he does need to be on the mixed league radar. Uh, I don't know that I'd call him must-add, but like I'd, like I'd add Yuli Gurriel over him. You, you mentioned he homered again and has been hot recently and obviously was much more valuable last year. I'd add him over Walker. The, the roster rate is pretty far apart for the two of them, but if they happen to both be available, that is somebody I'd prioritize over Walker. But there are some promising signs there for Walker, sure. Here's the problem with uh, trying to add Christian Walker right now is that there's actually been a lot of viable first basemen this year and a lot of mm-hmm. waiver wire first basemen that have emerged. So Josh Naylor... Yeah. Guriel, you just mentioned, Juan Yepes has first base and uh, either just gained outfield eligibility or is close. Trey Mancini's mm. having a big May as Even well. Even like Dan Vogelbach has had a decent season. Yeah, you know? true. We haven't talked about him much, but he's been Rowdy Telez-esque. <laughs> Why did you choose Rowdy Telez for uh, Dan Vogelbach, huh, Chris? Why'd you do that? Because they're big, beefy baseball boys. That's right. That's exactly what they are. <laughs> uh, I would... This might be a bit of a take. I would drop Spencer Torkelson for Christian Walker. What do you think, Chris? Um, I I wouldn't. I'm not gonna move Christian Walker ahead of Spencer Torkelson in the ranks, but I I get it. Like I, I think that makes sense. I, I actually did end up starting Christian Walker in the Memorial Magazine League this week. Um, I think he had been on my bench before that. I started him over. Nico Horner, or not Nico Horner, Matt Chapman, who has been... (laughs) Big difference. Pretty awful. Um, But yeah, Walker having that extra doubleheader game, that was the reason. So, yeah, sometimes sometimes you get a little lucky. But yeah, I think he's a perfectly viable corner infielder in a 12-team Roto League. I I don't think there's much value in head-to-head points leagues. But yeah, I mean, you look at his batted ball profile, and it's like the outfield is where things go to die for him like it either leaves the leaves the park completely or just is nothing and so you know that's a little concerning given the offensive environment yep uh all right let's move into some hitters that we are each looking to target via trade right now some buy low options and there's a lot of them out there and ones that we've mentioned multiple times over uh scott we'll start with you the Mm. top buy low hitter for you right now middle of may 
Well, I was I was planning to say Salvador Perez, who I still have total faith in. He just went on to IL, and I, I could see how the person who you know invested this really high pick in a catcher and hasn't got what he expected so far, and now he's on the IL, just you know, to heck with it. Like somebody take him off my hands. I, I could see that being the response, but I I want to find out what the actual timetable for this brain thumb is for Perez first. I, I could see that you know, maybe being a ligament surgical issue. I'm, I'm not saying there's any signs of that. I, we just don't know the extent of it yet. So it doesn't, I'd hate to say, yeah, buy up Salvador Perez everywhere you can now. And then we find out tomorrow he's having surgery. That just, it's not a good plan for me as an analyst. So I am going to say Jose Abreu instead, who has, he's in the 98th percentile for average exit velocity, as good as it gets how he's impacting the ball. He has one of the lowest strikeout rates of his career, 17.7% entering Tuesday's action. So it doesn't, you know, those two indicators independently, certainly together, would indicate this is not a case of a 35-year-old running out of steam. I know it's been a bad environment for offense, and we don't know exactly how how this batted ball data is is going to play in the long run. We don't have the expected stats haven't been recalculated for the new environment. So they're all very misleading, but if you're hitting the ball on average, 94.1 miles per hour, and you're not striking out, I don't care what the environment is. You're not going to be a 211 hitter with a 328 slugging percentage. And and obviously there's the track record of Brave has going for him. So that seems like a pretty easy call. All right, I'll give you a few pitchers, Scott. Would you flip these? Because I think that's what we're going to see right now. A lot of people who are trying to acquire hitters probably have a wealth of pitching. Would you give up Zach Gallen, who's pitched very well for Jose Abreu right now? I believe I would, yes. I definitely would. Would you do it for the breakout hopefuls, Eric Lauer and Kyle Wright? I would do it for I, both. Yeah, I th- hmm. that might be a needs thing for me, but... Presuming, like you said, somebody needs hitting a lot more than pitching. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd do it. Jose Abreu, by the way, and I've mentioned this before, he's someone who usually heats up with the weather throughout the season. So uh, his batting average by month throughout his career, 256 in April, then 271, 278, 285, 335 in the month of August, and then dips back down 292 in September. So I would expect as the weather heats up, Jose Abreu will do that as well. Chris, a hitter you're looking to buy low on right now. Yeah, Corey Seager, which I feel like is on brand for the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. We're we're big Corey Seager fans when things are going well. We're big Corey Seager fans when things aren't going well. And right now, he you know it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I think the the power has actually been really nice. Eight home runs um, in was he at thirty five games now? So that that's really solid. That that puts him on a career best pace. And there's reason to think that. You know, the, the way he's hitting the ball right now, he's hitting the ball in the air a little more than he has in the past. Um, you know, should, you know, that should continue to be the case for him if he does continue to hit the ball well. And you might think, well, he's hitting the ball in the air more. That might sacrifice some batting average, but he's actually still got a 26% line drive rate. And he's still only striking out 17% of the time. You know, he's traded some ground balls for fly balls and, you might expect to lose a few hits over the course of the season trading ground balls for fly balls, but 
generally speaking, the batting average on those two batted ball types is is not so far that you would think that that's going to make a difference either way. Um, for someone like Corey Seager, who hits the ball hard and shouldn't have trouble putting it over the fence with regularity. So, you know, the batting average 244, expected batting average 289, even in the context of a league that where the ball's not, you know, traveling as far, you would think that that batting average should be closer to the 289 figure than the 244 figure, especially because Corey Seager's actually not struggling to hit the ball out of the park unlike uh, a lot of hitters right now with those eight home runs. So that shouldn't be depressing his batting average too much. So I think the skills are all mostly still there for Corey Seager to be a legitimate, significant impact player. Um, And, you know, we've seen him go on stretches where he's hit like a, as close to a first rounder as you can get when you only steal one base a year. You know, he's been that Freddie Freeman type player the the past couple of seasons and i think he's going to be that guy moving forward so i i'm not worried about Corey seager at all i agree completely with what you said about the fly ball rate being up and people might look at that and think all right well that's conducive to a lower batting average he's got a 235 BABIP right now that's 331 for his career so even with the increase in fly ball rate, I wouldn't expect yeah. it to impact him that much. And based on the expected batting average, which you mentioned, 289, we're still trying to calibrate you know, what the expected stats mean right now. But I think much better days are coming for Corey Seager. So 100% with you there. Looking to buy Corey Seager. And I kind of feel like he was in a similar price range as Jose Abreu coming into the season. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know, similar pitchers, Chris? Would you give up guys like Gallen, Kyle Wright, Eric Lauer to get Seager? Absolutely, absolutely would. Um, yeah, that that seems like an easier call to me. I guess I may have had Corey Seager higher than the consensus. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had Corey Seager like 20-ish spots ahead of Jose Abreu. Um, yeah. And I haven't moved him down at all so far. So even yeah. with it being a disappointing start, um, you know, I, I think even like, this is always a difficult way to phrase this, but I was thinking of someone like Shane McClanahan, who I'm sure we'll talk about more, and who I like. I mean, there's a lot to like there. I would still rather have Corey Seager for the rest of the season. If I was going to trade for McClanahan, I would, or if I was going to trade McClanahan, I would probably ask for more, um, just because that's smart. But like, I think Corey Seager is going to provide more value than Shane McClanahan rest of season. Or I think he's a better bet to provide more value. Maybe McClanahan has more upside. But I don't know. Like, Corey Seager has a significant amount of upside on his own. So that's that's one um, where, you know, Corey Seager plus, you know, uh, Chris Sale or something like that we, it would be pretty interesting. Yeah, there must be something going on in the air there in Pittsburgh because, I mean, come on, Chris. We're not we're not giving up Shane McClanahan. Who's doing that right now? No, I, I agree that if you can if you can get Seager plus, I think that makes more sense to do a trade up for uh, Shane O'Mac. Yeah. For well, I, I've been having that trouble with the rankings too, specifically shortstop and second second base especially. I mean, second second so base bad. just looks upside down right now. You got yeah. Colton Wong, you got Gene Segura way up there in actual production, and then you got like Ozzy but the, Albies, but the thing is like Simeon, Max Muncy with Gene Segura and Colton Wong. Like Gene Segura's had like a good ten days, which mostly just goes to show you how bad second base has been this season. 
or how 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 little it takes to yeah because uh, I noticed Willie Willie Adams is barely hitting 200, and yet I think he's the number two or three shortstop in fantasy. Still. And he kind of only had like a really really great five days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I've been resistant to you know moving down. I, I have concerns in this environment about Marcus Simeon and Max Muncie. And even yeah, I did, Baltics, but I, I I've been resistant to moving them down and i know people are probably annoyed with that at this point but you know the, the rest of season rankings you can't get the numbers already banked we're talking about today yeah. forward do you honestly think do you honestly think that i i don't know try ty, ty france well that's a harder one because i do think there's a good chance ty, ty france is just a really good player but but somebody like gene segura do you honestly sure. think gene segura is better than trevor story now i mean you're crazy no no but, like i I've moved Simeon down. Um, he's my number eight shortstop now, or number eight second baseman. It wouldn't take much to move Jazz Chisholm ahead of him at this point, and they're yeah. in, in a similar range overall. I'm still doing my overall rankings for the trade chart, and I had Simeon 57th last week, Jazz Chisholm 66th. If swapping those guys would be fairly easy. Although Jazz, Jazz, Jazz has, Chisholm, and who was the other one? And Simeon. I mean, yeah, I was I was debating that those two specific those two among others, you know, exactly how high do I move up yeah. Jazz Chisholm, Jazz Chisholm, who continues to produce while these uh, much more highly regarded players coming into the year don't. And I kind of split the difference. Like I moved him ahead of Jorge Polanco. Yeah, and yeah, Jazz is up to nine for me. Him, him I moved him up to Javier ba- up above Javier Baez. Um, but you know, yeah, bias. I moved him ahead of bias too. I but did. He's still not. He's still at a. He's still at a place that might annoy people if they go look at my rankings. <laughs> I did something crazy. I mean, I went full Jazz Chisholm on uh, on Tuesday. I moved him ahead of Trevor Story, Cattell Marte, Jorge Polanco, Whit Merrifield. So, I I just kind of trust it. I, I feel like pitchers have been adjusting to him, and, and all Jazz has done in May is lower his strikeout rate. It, it was yeah. 16% in the month of May entering Tuesday's action, So, and he's hitting the ball harder. So I, I'm just really encouraged by everything we've seen from, from Jazz Chisholm. And, that, that is very encouraging. I, I think it's more just, like, you know, Marcus Simeon was a 40-15 guy last year, you know? How, yeah. how long do you give him before you say, I'm willing to trade him for Jazz Chisholm, who... You know, has, has had a good six weeks, but obviously isn't nearly as proven. And I'm not quite there yet. I, I want through the end of May. I think through the end of May, if if these guys are showing no signs of life, you might see me start to make some more drastic changes. So we're, we're about two weeks from that. All right. The hitter that I'm looking to trade for right now, Anthony Rendon. And I swear it has nothing to do with him hitting his fifth home run of the season on Tuesday. He's still batting just 230, but... What I noticed, I hadn't really looked at him all season. I don't have many shares. I think maybe I have one Anthony Rendon. He's actually hitting the ball hard this year. 91.6 mile per hour average exit velocity for Rendon. That represents a career high, a career that's been pretty damn good too. Uh, His 8.2% barrel rate is not great compared to other sluggers in the game, but it's Anthony Rendon's best since 2019 when he had that career season with the Washington Nationals. So the bat is lower right now for Rendon, 255. It's 310 for his career. 
you know, maybe he doesn't get back to his career mark because he's not the player that he once was, but I would bank on that Babbitt being closer to 300 rest of season. So that will come with more batting average, and it's just a fantastic lineup, right? He's hitting right in the middle behind Trout and Otani and, and right around Jared Walsh and all these guys. So I just, I'd be looking to buy right now. I'd be looking to get shares of Anthony Rendon. Um, Chris, do you share the same optimism? Yeah, I think so. The one thing that I wanted to look at, yeah, he the one place that he's really hasn't seen as much success as he has at his best is he's really not hitting the ball the other way very often. Um, his pull rate is 39.2%. That's not the highest of his career, but his opposite field rate is 19.6%. That is the lowest of his career. And if you look at you know the, the spray chart for hits, there's very little off to the right side of the field. Um, you know, 2020, he didn't hit it for a ton of power to the right side of the field, but he was spraying singles that direction. In 2019, you know, when he was at his best, his spray chart was all over the place. So that's the one place where if I'm looking for a reason why Anthony Rendon may be less helpful in batting average than I, than I would hope, that's the thing I would look at. Is it just, you know, as a player gets older it becomes easier and easier, especially for a right-handed hitter to play deep and to, you know, rob an extra infield hit or an extra, you know, single down the line, you know, every week or so, you know, every other week, however, whatever the rate comes out to. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And and I'm not expecting really anything close to uh, the batting average of old, but can we get 270 out of Rendon yeah. with, you know, modest power and lots of RBIs and, and that great lineup? Yeah, I think that's possible. Yeah, absolutely. So I would be looking to buy Anthony Rendon as well. Let's take a quick break. And when we return, we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The news and notes. Ronald Acuna returned to the lineup as the DH after missing five straight games with a groin issue. You'll love to see it. Jacob deGrom's most recent MRI revealed continued healing in his scapula, but I'm not sure how much it means. There was a recent report that said he might not return until after the All-Star break, yeah. so I don't know. It's some good news, some bad news for Jacob deGrom. Bryce Harper was out of the lineup for a second straight game after receiving a PRP injection in his elbow this weekend. Salvador Perez was removed from Tuesday's game and then later placed on the IL with a sprained left thumb. We're waiting to find out more about the timetable for Salvador Perez. But Scott, if you need a catcher and you lost Salvador Perez, how about just adding MJ Melendez, who hit his first home run of the season on Tuesday? He's 30% rostered. Seems like he should play more now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm leading tomorrow's waiver wire column with him because it won't take much for a, a player to move into the top 10 at catcher. And the playing time has been sporadic for Melendez, but he has hit the ball very hard. I, I think over 92 miles per hour is his average exit velocity. The walk rate is great. The strikeout rate is great. Like every Everything you want to see in the underlying numbers looks looks good small though the sample is 
but you're talking about a guy who led all the minors in home runs last year and, and he's a catcher and now he's got an open door to play close to every day. So yeah, why not? Would you take Melendez over Alejandro Kirk, Elias Diaz and Jonah Heim? Uh, he's right there with Kirk for me. Well ahead of the others. All right. Uh, I agree, by the way. I've, I've watched a few at-bats this season so far for Melendez, and he just he looks good up there, confident. He's you know taking close pitches. He, he, he just he looks like he's ready, so uh, and, very and encouraged. And if he does thrive in Perez's absence, you know maybe it's only a week and a half Perez misses. It's the minimum time. They could just have the two split catcher in DH, which... You know, Melendez has gotten some time at DH already, but if if you know if he proves himself an instrumental part of the lineup, that'll only increase, and they could both be must start options. And and I'll point out, um, you know, with Alejandro Kirk, you know, we 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 I think we would all take Kirk over Melendez, but I think that's the right range, just because like if you have potential as a catcher, <laughs> you kind of you're in the top fifteen. Like if you have potential and you're playing, like you're probably going to be in the top fifteen in the rankings, just because. There's nobody there. And so Kirk is like a low-end catcher one, high-end catcher two for me in the rankings. But since he hit his first extra base hit of the season, which is very much arbitrary endpoints, uh, that was on May 3rd, he has started, I believe, 11 of 13 games for the Blue Jays. And he's hitting over 300. You know, so the, the underlying numbers aren't quite as impressive as they looked last season necessarily, but um, I still think there's a lot to like for Kirk, who continues to not strike out, continues to hit the ball pretty well. So I, I think there's a big stretch coming where he can still be a difference maker. All right. Starling Marte was placed on the bereavement list Monday and will miss at least three days. Cattell Marte was scratched in game two with a sore left hand. Brandon Nimmo left Tuesday's game with a bruised right quad. He is day-to-day. J.P. Crawford left with an ankle injury but said after that he was fine. Carlos Correa did not return on Tuesday, which meant another start at shortstop for Royce Lewis. More on him in a little bit. Willie Adamas isn't expected to return before Saturday with that sprained left ankle. Saturday's far away, too. It's Kind of seems like he might land on the I.L. Brandon Lau was diagnosed with a stress reaction in his lower back and will be shut down for at least three weeks. It turns out Clayton Kershaw... Yeah, I didn't see that one. That I mentioned Jazz Chisholm was number eight at second base. That, that'll be enough to move Jazz Chisholm up to, to... Or he was number nine at second base. That'll be enough to move him up to number eight. Top five, Chris. Top five for Jazz. Let's do it. Not yet. Not yet. All right. It turns out Clayton Kershaw will not throw a bullpen session Wednesday as he continues to experience discomfort in his right SI joint. Lucas Gilito will start on Wednesday against the Royals, so make sure to get him in your daily lineup leagues. Jordan Romano remains day-to-day with a non-COVID illness. Adam Simber picked up another save on Tuesday, back-to-back days with a save for him. Nick Lodolo will not throw for the next week. He is on the IL with a back injury, which... He recently suffered a setback on Alex Fajardo. Scott, your boy. He's staying in the rotation for now. Will pitch on Saturday against Cleveland. 6% rostered and has looked pretty good. So deeper leagues, I would say go out and add Alex Fajardo. Spencer Schreider will likely handle more higher leverage relief work late in games with Tyler Matzik on the IL, which... You know, it's probably good for the Braves, but not great for fantasy because we want Strider to start, obviously. So 
That stinks. Jake Odorizzi was placed on the IL with lower leg discomfort. Andrew McCutcheon likely to return this weekend. He's been on the COVID IL the past few weeks. Mitch Keller has been demoted to the Pirates bullpen. And I'm, I'm really, really happy that I didn't end up <laughs> succumbing to my gut to overreact to Mitch Keller throwing harder. I, 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 I very well could have ended up with him as like a, a top 200 player and... I'm glad I watched him in spring training and saw that, yeah, he, he was still doing Mitch Keller things. Yeah. No, that's a great call by you, Chris. <laughs> uh, Scott, Ronzi Contreras, what are we thinking? Is it, is, it, is it about to happen? Can we get him in the rotation? It might be. I mean, it, it's the opening's tomorrow, right? And, and his turn lines up to start that game. So his last two appearances in the majors, both three innings, five strikeouts. The spin rates on everything are incredible. A lot of swing and miss potential here. Some control issues uh, down in the minors, the little bit he's pitched. But, but yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of upside there. And and I guess you can redirect your enthusiasm for Spencer Strider to Ruanzi Contreras, of course. Or, yeah, I don't know. I, I lost... Lost my train of thought there, exactly how I was phrasing that sentence. But you, someone you know someone threw a penny on the track. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> I don't know. I just started saying <laughs> random words. <laughs> it happens but to the yeah. best of us. Contreras instead of Strider. All right. Uh, one last note here. Reds prospect Jose Barrero is nearing a rehab assignment, and he's just somebody to watch for now and uh, might be worth stashing in deeper leagues. Let's fire up the drop meter here on a Wednesday, and this edition is for hitters and pitchers that got off to great starts, but uh, maybe they're kind of coming back down to earth right now. Stephen Kwan went 0 for 4 again on Tuesday. He is batting 194 over his last 16 games and is 77% rostered. Chris, what is the drop meter for Stephen Kwan? So how are we how are we calibrating it? Like just a roster percentage? No, but that would be yeah. I guess that, that would work. be the opposite. So ten is this player does not need to be on any rosters. You can drop him even in deeper leagues. You know, one obviously you're you're holding everywhere. Five, yeah, probably dropping him in like three outfielder points leagues. Let's I guess calibrate it that way. I don't think he's worth rostering in anything shallower than a five outfielder twelve team league. So that would, I would say that's like a six or a seven on the drop. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it looks to be about as empty a batting air. Well, I like, I don't know. I guess in theory, like he, he could score a decent number of runs. He's got 19 pretty heavily weighted towards early on in the season. He's got 12 runs in his last 21 games, um, which I guess that's a 90 run pace. So he's a two category guy. Um, I, I just, I don't think he gives you anything outside of those two categories. Well, I, you do have to consider points leagues. I'm still starting Quan in a couple points leagues because I haven't found anybody better. And so what, what did he miss? He had like a hamstring injury or something. He, he missed, he missed a stretch there at the end of April and basically done nothing since then. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hit, hit 231 since returning April 30th. And yet, Despite that, he's still tied for 38th among outfielders during that stretch. Not overall, during that stretch where he's hit 230, he's tied for 38th among outfielders in points leagues, which goes to show you how 
Outfielder was terrible. Well, outfield's terrible, but yeah, also if you don't strike out, yeah, you, you don't necessarily need to be hitting that well to to be a usable points league player. And yeah, uh, and and Quan's gonna hit better during stretches than he has during this stretch, obviously. That's fair. I, it's it's always tough when a guy's best va- best format is a points league, though, because like the the guys who are like better in points leagues you still have to be really, really good. And I just don't know if Stephen Kwan's ever going to be really, really good. But, no, that's a fair point. Like, a 12-team points league, he's not not unrosterable. But I, I think I think the quality of contact is just going to continue to be so bad that I just – I'm starting to think 10 homers and 10 steals might be close to the ceiling. All right. Let's move over to a pitcher, Merrill Kelly. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, I guess. Destroyed at the Dodgers on Tuesday. He gave up eight runs on five hits, four walks. He's still 92% rostered. Scott, the drop meter on Merrill Kelly. So I'd go six on Quan too, for what it's worth. Uh, for Merrill Kelly, uh, uh, it's three and a half. Uh, you know, he was, he was due for some regression. This game brought his ERA up to the low three still. Let me find it exactly. Uh, man, I it is three point two seven. Yeah, navigating this notepad has not gone well for me the past couple of days. Yeah, three point two seven, which is actually still better than both his XFIP and his XERA. Uh, but you know, he's the problem. He's, he's okay. The problem is after he had the strikeouts early on and in spring training, and we we thought you know maybe this is a new sign. He's got 16. He had 16 over 20 and two thirds innings in his previous three starts, and that was with an eight strikeout game. So even though the results had still been pretty good, he started to look more like Merrill Kelly. And, and let's not let's not you know write off Merrill Kelly entirely. He's been a useful player and 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 someone that you know has value for sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is this yeah, is one that I did buy into the hot start and. I kind of well once he lost once he stopped getting the whiffs on the team, yeah. like you said, it was pretty clear. Yeah, this is not. This is a, this is more of a back end guy in fantasy, and I think he remains so. I don't I don't think yeah. you need to hurry and drop him based on this start, but he's mm-hmm. you shouldn't yeah, shoot him like like a must start pitcher either. He's in the fifty ish range for me. Awesome. So I think that's probably where I'll end up keeping him. Scott, would you drop Merrill Kelly for either Martin Perez or Yusei Kikuchi? They are the two most added starting pitchers on CBS right now. No. All right. Let's move to Owen Miller, Stephen Kwan's teammate. He went one for four with his fourth home run on Tuesday, but he is batting just 188 in May. He's 71% rostered. Chris, the drop meter on Owen Miller. Yeah, I would think probably six or seven, but he is... At least first and second base eligible, right? Is mm-hmm. he eligible anywhere else? No. So that that does make it a little tougher. Um, but yeah, he he's come, you know, pretty hard back down to earth. So I I think he's he's pretty droppable. Yeah, I'd say six or seven. Yeah, he's first and second base eligible. I would drop him for Christian Walker if you just need sure. a yeah, first baseman absolutely. or corner infielder, whatever it might be. Uh, I don't want to drop this player, but I've got to ask because I'm sure someone's thinking it right now. 
Alex Cobb got destroyed at Coors Field. Look, it's Coors Field. It's it, it's going to happen. He gives up seven runs on 10 hits, one walk. The ERA now up to 5.61. He's still 86% rostered. Scott, where are you at on Alex Cobb, the drop meter I'm not sure I'm totally with you guys on Owen Miller, but Alex Cobb on the drop meter is about it. One, I have no interest in dropping him. I think he's good. Yep. All right. Yep. Remember, he was really good the previous two starts before this. It's course field. Okay. Let's move over to Jesus Sanchez, who hit his fourth home run on Tuesday. He actually did not start that game, and that would have made two games in a row where he did not start. And it seems production related because in the 19 games before Tuesday, Jesus Sanchez was batting under 100. Chris, where is he on the dropometer? Yeah, I mean, he, he's. I wouldn't say he's entirely lost his job to Brian De La Cruz, but Brian De La Cruz has been playing and hitting a lot better than him lately. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Jesus Sanchez is another guy that I, you know, kind of aggressively moved into the top 50 at outfield, but never really much higher than that. Um, just seems like there might be too, too much swing and miss in his game. So, uh, yeah, I think he's probably like a, a five. A five. I was expecting to hear higher. Yeah, me too. I'll go, I'll go eight. Maybe five Jesus or six. Sanchez. So who would you, if you had to drop one, Chris, would you rather drop Quan or Sanchez? Uh, I, yeah, I guess Sanchez should probably be a six or a seven then because that's a, that's a tough call. Um, I think Sanchez has more upside, but Quan is probably more usable just because he's not losing playing time right now. All right, the last one here, Scott, and I got to give it to you, unfortunately. It's all unwinding for our guy, Josh Winder. <laughs> he pitched in relief on Tuesday following Dylan Bundy, and he was not good. Where are we at on Josh Winder? That was some fine wordplay there from you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I don't know what the Twins are doing here. Uh, yeah, I had him as a one of my top sleeper pitchers for this week, and now I don't even know if he's going to make a start. So I want more information before I pull the plug. But I'll call him like a 4.5 on the dropometer based on what I know now. Okay. Would you drop him for Kikuchi? I, th- I think I would make that swap. I, again, I want more information before I follow through with that. But it's if, if it sounds like he's not sticking around, not going to keep a rotation spot, then, uh, then yeah. That's a that's an easy swap to make at that point. I will I will point out Dylan Bundy is still forty five percent rostered. So for Ugh. you guys, you folks, uh, drop drop him. <laughs> yes, please <laughs> for whoever. Yeah, whatever you say, Kikuchi or whoever you want to add, just drop him. Yes, please do that. Uh, a few waiver wire hitters. If we're dropping players, that means we could add somebody. And Ali Thomas went one for four, hit his second home run. I've noticed he is hitting a lot of ground balls early on. It's over 60% ground ball rate, but when he's getting the chance to uh, put the ball in the air, he he's barreling it quite well. Um, Thomas, a big prospect. He's still only 67% rostered, which surprises me. I've been doing my part, Frank, almost yeah. every day. He's in, he's in waiver wire. He's going to be tomorrow as well, or today. Do you know what it is? He hasn't stolen a base yet. I feel like that's probably what it is. I, I don't like the overall numbers, 917 OPS. Like there's, Nothing nothing to complain about here. And he's um, one of the only prospects that co- came up and actually hit. I mean, shout out Juan yeah, he, Yepes, but... He's yeah, platoon-proof. He, Chris, did you just punch yourself with a microphone? <laughs> Those are the sounds of Pittsburgh right I, there. Uh, yeah, my microphone, I've got it off to the side. I'm going to need to redo this because I've got the arm off to the side instead of in the back like yeah. I normally do. And 
Yeah, I don't have a lot of range of movement here, and so if I lift my arm too uh, too quickly, yeah, that that that'll be that'll be a problem. The Alec Thomas is hitting like everything to the le- to the to the opposite side, or at least all of his hits have come to the opposite side, which is interesting. Um, his, not, not today's home run. Yeah, his home run off of Sandy, Sandy Alcantara went to the opposite field, which yeah, I, I was very impressed. Deep, like over 400 feet to the opposite field. Yeah, yeah that was impressive. No, the, there's, um, I think there's a lot to like about his skill set, and I think he's going to start running at some point. He's 94th percent on sprint speed. So yeah, I think, nice. uh, I think Alec Thomas, I would rather have him than... Jesus Sanchez, Stephen Kwan, I, I would make that swap easily. Yep, I agree with that. And um, by the way, I'm I'm thinking Royce Lewis clinched his stay when Carlos Correa comes back later this week because he had a big game himself here against the A's. He went two for four with a double and a home run. His his second home run. His strikeout rate has been low. His exit velocity has been high. We've seen him play basically all over the field in the minors. So I, I'm, I'm going to guess he sticks around. Maybe Jose Miranda gets sent down instead. Yeah, I mean, the, the Twins are kind of getting nothing out of left field, third base, and center field right now. I mean, you know, one of those will change when Correa comes back, I guess, assuming. But yeah, Lewis... I, I think he needs to be in there because Jose Miranda has been really bad. Nick Gordon, I don't think there's much there. Um, so whether it's left field or third base or, or wherever, I, I think Royce Lewis deserves to stick. Yeah, he's only 52% rostered. I noticed his max exit velocity, 114 miles per hour. Yep, That is just awesome to see for Royce Lewis. I would, I would drop... The sprint speed is not so good, 70, which is surprising. 72nd um, percentile, I mean, it's... It's pretty good. It's enough to steal bases. He yeah. he was stealing in the minors. Yeah, I would drop Gavin Lux for him. Is that right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, Gavin Lux. His his quality of contact numbers have collapsed. So yeah, I think that's okay. All right. Are you interested in any of these Giants hitters who enjoyed Coors Field quite a bit on Tuesday? Mike Yastrzemski, Darren Ruff. Scott, Darren Ruff actually started a game. <laughs> You'll love to see it. Uh, and then Tommy Lastella, who led off the game with a home run. Uh, any interest there, Scott? Yaz, Ruff, Lastella. Some interest in all three. Uh, Lastella homered twice on his rehab assignment in only, uh, in, in only uh, nine games. And, I mean, we've seen him be a productive player before. I don't, I don't know that the Giants will ever let him bat against a righty, so that limits his upside, but I'm at least going to keep a watch on him. Against probably, the lefty. Probably the home run came against the lefty? No, 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 that he won't bat against the lefty. Okay. Probably the one that I'd be most inclined to pick up right now is Yastrzemski, who I didn't notice until he had this big game at Coors Field. 96th percentile average exit velocity Oof. so far this year. He's been playing against both lefties and righties. He's one of the few players the Giants haven't been platooning. His walk rate and especially the strikeout rate are both improved from last year. And of course, in, in 2020, he was basically a must-star player in fantasy. So we've seen him do damage before. I, I think if you need an extra outfielder, if you're if you're looking to replace somebody like Jesus Sanchez, Yastrzemski deserves a look. 
All right. In category leagues, just a name to pay attention to right now. Probably deeper ones. Jonathan VR went two for three with a walk, a sock, and a shoe. His first home run and his second stolen base. He hasn't been great so far. 241 batting average. But he's actually been playing. So just a name to watch for now. Jonathan VR. Let's run through some stuff. I've, I've had a few fun things planned. Uh, Aaron Judge is this off to a ridiculous start. It's, he's all over the New York media right now. He didn't sign this contract. He wants to get paid, whatever. Four for five with a double dong. He now leads MLB with 14 home runs. He's batting 321. He's got an OPS over 1,000. He's even got two steals. He's first in baseball in average exit velocity, barrel rate, hard hit rate, expected slugging percentage. If you guys were redrafting today, where would you take Aaron Judge? Round two. Chris, what do you think? Probably toward the end of round two. Yeah, yep. maybe earlier than that. Yeah, right around the last pick of round two. What, what like, you, I'm, I'm looking at it and like, I've got him 11th at outfielder. I could move him above Starling Marte, but then yeah. that's in Roto. But, you know, Marte, obviously the stolen bases make it tough. And then I've got Buxton and Springer and Betts ahead of him. And... I, I think Buxton. I think Buxton. You can make a case for just because it sounds like he's going to be sitting regularly enough that it's going to be hard for him to live up to his potential. After that, I think that's probably like that's probably it. Like Springer, maybe, but I still, I still like the lineup and the the spot that he's in. But yeah, I think he's in that range. That's a, that's more restraint than I have. I I think of the ones you mentioned, Betts is the only one I'm still ranking ahead of Judge, and I was second guessing that with my update today. I, what, Although, what what keeps me from moving Judge into my top five and and maybe talking about him as a first rounder if we were redrafting is is just the the health history. Yeah, that's exactly. You still yeah. have to guard against that. Yeah, for sure. Mookie Betts, by the way, he's on fire. He homers in three of his last four games, uh, entering the the night game. And in May, he's batting 317, five homers, and and a 987 OPS. So Mookie I also, bets. I believe he scored three times in the second game of the doubleheader. I'm not sure about the first, but I... Yeah. He has... He's on, he's on like 155 run pace right now. Oh, my. Is he and really? he hasn't been that good. Yeah, that is... Let's see. He has 35 runs scored in... Yeah, thirty-four games. <laughs> that is yeah. Insane. So like one hundred and sixty-five run pace. Oof! Wow. Yeah, Mookie Betts. He is awesome. Uh, the only outfielder and also his OPS is above eight hundred now. I think so. He's mm-hmm. also his numbers look quite all right already. Eight forty-six. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. He's up to an eight forty-six OPS now. Yeah, Mookie Betts is uh, fine. While we're talking about studs, by the way, Mike Trout added three more hits. His tenth home run. He's awesome. Is Vlad Jr. still awesome? I've just got to ask. We haven't talked about him all season long. He's been fine. He just hasn't been, you know, top five pick uh, great so far this season. He's batting 282. He's got an 837 OPS. You know, ground ball rate is up a little bit. and Hard contact still looks fine. Um, Chris, is there anything to worry about here with Vlad? No, I don't think so. The, the, the expected contact numbers... The expected WOBA on contact is actually identical to last season. Obviously, we would expect worse overall production if the expected numbers were the same as last year, but that that tells me quite a bit. His average launch angle is down to 4.5 degrees from 9.4 degrees last season. That's more in the 2020 range. It's actually right around where he was in 2020, but 
he's barreling the ball a lot more than he did in 2020. So I, I don't know, you know, how much to take away from that. I, I don't see much reason to be concerned. All right. You know, I think he's still awesome. Gonna, but like, gonna have another three homer game tomorrow, and the, the <laughs> you'll, you'll feel I, bad for asking Frank. I guess it is like a reminder that the the margin for error with the non steals guys is relatively slim, and so you know he needs to be a real outlier as a hitter to justify being a top five pick. But I think he'll. I think he's still awesome, and I think he still will be very very good moving forward. I mentioned Mookie Betts turning it around in May. A few others I wanted to mention. Cattell Marte, I know he didn't play the second game with a sore hand, but in May he's batting 375, one homer, one steal, 1089 OPS. Paul Goldschmidt picked up four hits between the two games between uh, against the Mets, and he is batting over 350 in the month of May, four homers, one steal, and 1166 OPS. And Julio Rodriguez, we've talked a lot about recently, but uh, he went two for three with his league-leading 11th steal on Tuesday, he is batting uh, over 300, awesome. two homers, two steals, an 850 OPS, and a strikeout rate around 25% in the month of May. He's awesome, and he's an outfielder that's hitting. So that, that's, I, I that's might good. just move him into the top 24 tomorrow when I do my update. Chris, Can remember one. Go ahead. That we haven't mentioned yet. Yep. Eight game hitting streak for JD Martinez. Nice. Three seven with four home runs during that wow. stretch. All right, yeah, uh, definitely could use that. The Red Sox can use that, too. It's been such a weird start for them. Rafael Devers, he's another one. He's red hot right now, too. Uh, I wanted to yep. mention a few waiver wire pitchers. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up with these who were uh, pretty interesting on Tuesday. Zach Eflin made his return from the COVID IL. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts. Adrian Hauser posts a quality start against the Braves. I was shocked to see his ERA is 3.22. It feels like every time he pitches, he gets rocked. I don't even know how this is possible. James Caprillion gave up two runs over five and a third. He had six strikeouts. And Tyler Anderson with a uh, great bounce back against the Diamondbacks. Seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Scott, any interest in Anderson, Caprillion, Hauser, Zach Eflin? Not a ton of interest. I think they're all streamable. They're all going to show up on my sleeper pitchers list from time to time based on matchups. But I, I don't, I don't think any of them have enough upside that I'm, you know, you need to rush out and add them. All right. Um, Go ahead, Chris. We haven't mentioned Brady Singer yet, have we? No, he was. Uh, I have a few deep league names. Okay, yeah. That I was going to throw out next, but yeah, he is one of them. Uh, actually, a pitcher's duel in that game. Game two, Brady Singer seven shutout innings with nine strikeouts against the White Sox. On the other side, I wrote down David Martin. But I think his name is Davis Martin. Davis Martin, yes. Yeah. I knew a kid named Martin Davis. Went to school <laughs> with him, and he was pretty good at baseball. But I'm pretty sure this isn't him because yeah. he would be in his late 30s right now like I am. <laughs> Davis Martin, he's 25, Scott, so I, I guess we could rule that one out. Uh, I did not know him before the start, and he was pretty good. Five innings, one run, seven strikeouts. And there were a few other just random names out here on, on Tuesday night. Tucker Davidson, five shutout innings for the Braves. Keegan Thompson, five shutout for the Cubs. Uh, Cody Poteet, four and two-thirds shutout with four strikeouts. Connor Overton, I'm not really sure how he's doing it, but four straight solid starts, seven and two-thirds innings of two-run ball. Chris, anything you'd like to add on these names? Overton, Poteet, Thompson, Davidson, uh, Singer, and Davis Martin. Quite a few names. 
Uh, I think Singer is the most interesting of the group. Um, he had nine strikeouts today. He had 18 swinging strikes, 16 of them with his slider. So you can kind of tell what the main event there was. And he threw his slider 42% of the time. He's basically switched to being a fastball, a sinker slider guy. And, you know, the velocity's up a little bit, but the slider has been, uh, you know, quite a good swing and miss pitch for him even coming into today. So I think it's worth keeping an eye on Brady Singer. He was an interesting pitching prospect. Um, God, I feel like he hasn't been around that long. Did he make his debut in 2020? Yeah, he did. Okay. Um, so, you know, I don't want to, you know, write him off entirely. I think he's the, the most interesting of this group. Um, I, I am interested in Davis Martin. I'm sure he's getting sent down right away. But he has a deep pitch mix and was getting whiffs on. Like he got nine swinging strikes on yeah, 18 that, sliders. That pops off the page. Yeah. Yeah, but he got four on the fastball, three on the changeup, and uh, was was doing really well in the minors too. So if if you know, next time he gets called up, if somebody gets hurt or whatever, keep an eye on old Davis Martin, not and Martin I, Davis. I will um, point out with Cody Petit, not so much him, but uh, you know, we were hoping that Max Meyer would get the call for that start. This was with the way it lined up, and Max Meyer didn't get the start, and he was bad today. Uh, had his worst start of the season. Uh, eight earned runs, four walks, one strikeout, and three and a third. So Meyer, yeah, Max Meyer. That was today for AAA Jacksonville. So uh, he wasn't great in his previous start either. So I, I think we can probably pump the brakes on the Max Meyer hype train at least for now. I, I think it doesn't sound like the Marlins were on the verge of calling him up, despite what we wanted anyway. And I would guess this doesn't give them any more reason to do that. So. That's uh, worth noting. Of course, yeah, that is unfortunate for our guy, Max Meyer. A few other pitching standouts worth mentioning. Dylan Cease, five and two-thirds, uh, shutout innings with nine strikeouts. He has seven or more strikeouts in seven of eight starts. He leads baseball with 67 strikeouts. That is Dylan Cease. Shane McClanahan is second to Cease with 65 strikeouts in all of baseball. Back-to-back uh, -back seven-inning performances for Shane McClanahan. So they are letting him go right now, and he has looked amazing. Mike Clevenger also looked pretty good on Tuesday night. Five shutout innings, one hit, zero walks, five strikeouts, and he was followed by Mackenzie Gore, who threw three shutout innings himself with four strikeouts. Uh, Scott, any quick thoughts? Cease, McClanahan, Clevenger, Gore. I'm about as skeptical of Clevenger as I am of Cindergaard. The velocity hasn't been the same. He had only three swinging strikes on 75 pitches in this one. So it may take another good start before I could call him a sell high, really. But I, I, I have some skepticism there. All right, the call to the bullpen. Liam Hendricks picked up his 11th save in game one of that doubleheader. Craig Kimbrell gave up a run, but he struck out the side for his seventh save. Edwin Diaz uh, struck out the side for his ninth save. His ERA is down to 1.69. For the Reds, Art Warren came in for the save in a two-run game. He gave up a game-tying home run. Alexis Diaz, who I've mentioned a few times now, uh, he picked up the save in extras, and he struck out the side. He did walk two batters, so... I think they should give him the next shot, but 
There's a reason why I'm not managing the the Cincinnati Reds. For the Marlins. Nobody wants to be the Reds' closer for the second year in a row. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, funny how that works, huh? For the Marlins, Anthony Bender, he pitched in the fifth inning of a tie game. Anthony Bass, who we've all speculated on recently, he pitched in the seventh inning. The game was 3-0 at the time. And then Cole Sulser was the one who pitched in the ninth with a 5-1 lead. So I don't really know what the Marlins right now. It's... Kind of tough I just, to figure. Out. I feel like Dylan Flores just got to give them a reason to be to to be the closer, and they're going to go with it. Yeah, he he's got to put together a few strong yeah, outings yeah, because he look he's looked quite bad. Yeah. Uh, for the Padres, Taylor Rogers picked up his 14th save, tying Josh Hader for the league lead. Aroldis Chapman gave up three hits and a run, but picked up his ninth save. Kenley Jansen struck out two for his ninth save. Uh, Josh Stalmont picked up his third save after Scott Barlow worked back to back days. And then for the Giants, Camilo Duvall got his seventh save. And for Oakland, Danny Jimenez got the final five outs of that game for his seventh save of the season. To stream or not to stream, we'll go to Wednesday. Marco Gonzalez at the Blue Jays. Jordan Hicks at the Mets. Drew Smiley versus the Pirates. Dane Dunning versus the Angels. I just completely removed Nick Pavetta from this list after I saw what happened to Nathan Avaldi on Tuesday night. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't. I don't like any of them. Yuck. Jordan Hicks is probably my favorite, but don't like it. Yeah, like, if if Dunning had a better matchup, but not against the Angels. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Thursday's not a lot better. Bruce Zimmerman versus the Yankees. Dakota Hudson at the Mets. Vince Velasquez at the Royals, and Carlos Hernandez versus the White Sox. Ugh. Dakota Hudson is good enough at limiting damage that if he really wanted to squeeze in an extra start, he might be okay. It's not my style of play. What's the point, you know? Well, fair enough, but what's the point of this whole segment? Like, in a points (laughs) league, sure, he might give you positive points, but, like, in a roto league, you're what? You're hoping for five five innings, two runs allowed, like, four strikeouts? Like You're you're trying to stay. Yeah, like that. eh. Scott hates... Mets are the better team. (laughs) Scott hates this segment to stream or not to stream. I want everyone who plays in daily lineup leagues who appreciates this segment to tweet at Scott White over the next <laughs> no, couple of days at CBS Scott White and let him know how much you love this segment. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.